Welcome to church. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, we got to get our hearts ready to receive the word of the Lord. There's no better way to do that than in the place of prayer and worship. So stand to your feet. Come on, church. Let's worship together.
church, let's take a moment and lift our hands to the God who's never lost the battle. He reigns in victory. He's supreme over us right now. We lift our hands and surrender. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Who can melt the hardest heart and speak life into my soul? Spin the world around and hold me ever close. Yeah. And who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? Who controls the world I see? Walks me through it all. No one but you. Yeah, we say no.
are taking your seats how about you turn to your neighbor and say it is great to see you today well it is great to see each and every one of you today I have a feeling that it is going to be an awesome day in the house of God amen well, my name is Jacqueline and I'm part of our staff team here at the church. And I wanna take a moment to say, if you are watching online right now, we just wanna say hello. We love that you're joining us. And if you are new around here, whether new to watching online or new in the building, we would love to know that you're with us today. Now, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can fill out our digital connect card through our website, or you can take the physical card in the back of your seat, fill that out, take it out to next steps in the lobby. We have a team of people who would love to meet you and give you a free gift just for joining us today. And that's just our way of saying we love that you're here. So how about we give our guests a hand this morning? Awesome. Well, we're so excited you're here. I really feel like it's going to be an incredible day. So hey, let's take a moment and check out the next big thing.
Well, church family, I believe that we are in the midst of a prayer revival in the life of our church. Hey, we need a move of God. We need a move of God in our nation. We need a move of God in our region. And we need a move of God right here in the Rock Church. So I pray today, Lord, let it start in me. And I hope you are sitting there thinking the same thing. Let it start in you. Throughout this year, we really want to enhance the prayer life of our church. We want to help teach you how to pray prayers that are bigger than yourselves. But hey, we know that this is not just an agenda or a meeting. This is a Holy Spirit-led thing. We cannot do this in our own power. We need a touch from heaven. So we have two ways right now that you can gather together with us and meet the Lord in prayer, praying for things that are larger than just yourself. The first way is pre-service prayer. Every single Sunday morning at 8.45 and 10.45, we gather together in the auditorium and we pray and we pray for lost people to receive Jesus and we set the atmosphere in the building and in our own spirits to receive the word of the Lord. So we ask that you come out, you join us in that place of prayer every single Sunday. And secondly, we have a new event called First Wednesday Prayer. We had one just a few weeks ago. It was an incredible night. And believe it or not, happening this Wednesday night at 6.30 is our next First Wednesday Prayer. We're going to gather together for a few minutes to worship. We're going to gather together and pray. We're going to pray personal prayers. We're going to pray for prayers for each other. But most importantly, we're going to pray corporately for prayers for greater than we could ever ask or imagine that only the hand of God, the move of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit can make happen. So I ask that you join with us. I cannot wait to see you Wednesday night at First Wednesday Prayer. Awesome. Well, just like Pastor Justin said, this is our second First Wednesday prayer. And the first one that we had last month was so incredible and so powerful. I really want to encourage you. For those of you that were here, you know how powerful it was. And if you haven't been, I encourage you to be here this Wednesday at 6.30. Well, church, you know, there are many types of worship, right? We worship in the way that we live every day. We worship like we have been this morning where we raise our hands and our voices and praise our amazing God. But another form of worship is also with our giving, with our tithe and our offering. And you know, we talk about tithe and offering here often because we not only believe that we should do it because the Bible tells us to, and it does, but we also truly believe that when you give your tithe and your offering, it's a step of faith that can be incredibly life-changing. And I actually wanna share somebody's tithe story with you guys today. She's an incredible volunteer of ours. She's here serving our production team literally all the time, so faithfully. This is Heather Argus, and I wanna share her tithe story with you. So Heather says, I didn't grow up in the church or even knowing God. It was never something that seemed important to my family or part of our belief system, and we never talked about it. It wasn't until I was 23 and moved to the other side of the country that I was introduced to church and who Jesus was. My husband, Brad, was about to leave on deployment, and I didn't have any family nearby, so church just seemed right, and learning about God just seemed right. I quickly got into volunteering, but didn't feel anything but surface-level connections with those I was serving with. I just felt like another number. 
When we moved to Asheville, I wasn't super eager to find another church, but one day saw a sign for rock groups on my drive home, and it sparked something inside of me, something I didn't know that I needed. The rock was the first place where I had heard of tithing. Yes, I'd heard about passing the bucket around and dropping a couple dollars in, but where that money went or why we were giving it was never explained. It wasn't until I started going to the rock that I finally understood and learned what it was all about. It was a continual commitment to serving God in my community, and it was a continual commitment to spreading love and hope to those around me. Tithing opened up a part of me that I knew was missing from my life. It gave me a heart for serving, and it allowed me to reach beyond myself and into the life that Jesus had for me. As a couple, tithing has encouraged us to give whenever we can, whether it's for the angel tree or endeavor. It's opened up so many blessings for us, and we've made giving a part of our monthly spiritual life even out into the community. Whether it's donating time, money, or lending an ear of support at The Rock, we don't feel like we're just another number. Or another person dropping a couple dollars into the bucket because we feel like we have to. Instead, it's become ingrained in us and part of our DNA. And we wouldn't have had that if we hadn't started tithing. It's the first thing that leaves, but we know it's the thing that has the most lasting impact. Is that not an incredible testimony? And you know, I really, really loved when I was reading this, that last line that she put. It's the first thing that leaves, the first thing that leaves our hand, but we know it's the thing that has the most lasting impact. You know, I love tithing stories like these because they show us, like Heather was saying, it's not about dropping a few dollars into a bucket. And you're not just a number, no, another number when you do it. What you're actually doing when you give your tithe is you're sowing a seed that God can grow in an incredible way into something beautiful that can totally transform your world. He did it for Heather, he's done it for me, and he can do it for you. So if you've never participated in tithe and offering, I encourage you to do that today because you have no idea the amazing impact God can have on your life from that small seed. So there are ways that you can give on the screen today. Our team's gonna come up and we're gonna lean into another song of worship. And I wanna thank you for choosing generosity today. Church, will you stand with us, please? These are the days that we prayed for. so much still I'm certain that the best is not yet come Jesus you're not done with me you're doing a new thing you're doing a new thing I see
Hey, I know you've been standing for a little while, but could you remain standing? We're going to pray. Um, obviously, most of us know about the situation that is going on in the Ukraine. So I'm just going to ask you to agree together with me. Father, we pray right now for peace to be restored immediately, for this war to come to a full stop. Would you bring it to a quick end in Jesus' name? We pray for protection for all of the innocent men, women, children, families that are in harm's way. We're praying for the, the local Ukrainian church, God, that you would fill them with your peace, that you would fill them with your spirit, let the power of God uh, come to them like never before. We pray for the Ukrainian president to have supernatural protection, supernatural wisdom over uh, his life in every way. Father, we pray for a supernatural unease to be put on Putin, that he will come to an end of all of this, a heart change that causes him to realize the love of Jesus for his life, help him turn from the evil that he is pursuing right now. Father, we stand against principalities and powers that are trying to destroy the Ukraine and Russia. We believe, God, that you can do a great thing. We're joining our faith. We're joining our love. We're joining our compassion. God, we're joining our prayers with millions of other believers. Would you work a miracle in that situation in Jesus' name? If you can agree with me, say amen. Come on. Let's thank the Lord. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you guys for praying together. Thank you for coming to church today. Good to see you, all of you. Hey, I uh, just want to underline the first Wednesday prayer time that's coming up uh, this Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. I do believe God has been calling our church uh, to invest ourselves into strengthening the prayer life of our church, and I'm inviting you to, to make this a priority in your life. Uh, I think it should be obvious that there's enough going on in this crazy world that we need to be seeking the face of God. So uh, join with me this Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. Let's pray together. Let's uh, seek after God and uh, watch God do things that only God can do. And then uh, I would also like to say thank you to everybody that has uh, prayed for Suzette and I uh, during this week. Thank you for the cards and the flowers and all the, you know, text messages and your support means a whole lot to us really. And we can feel the, uh, the support of uh, our church family. So thank you. Keep praying with us. We just believe God is going to give us a victory and a testimony of his goodness. So thank you so much. Yeah, we are in a series of messages that is designed to feed uh, our soul and our spirit and our mentality on this concept of, of, of building a great prayer life, talking about praying like Paul, praying like Paul. And uh, what I see is the kind of journey through some of the prayers that are in uh, Paul's 
uh, the words of Paul as he uh, prays for churches that he loves and cares for and tries to instruct both churches he founded and churches he just is aware of. Uh, today I'm going to read some more of Ephesians chapter 3. But uh, that Ephesians was actually more of a cyclical kind of church letter than just for one church in particular. But the thing I want to uh, point out before I start reading Scripture is uh, for us to remember that Paul's prayers are full of concepts that we can take and apply to our life. He's not really giving us so much technique as he is giving us uh, concept. And it's always important to understand the concept behind why someone does something. You don't have to follow their technique of how they do it. In other words, you might be an early morning person and pray in the morning. You might be a night owl and pray at night. You might be the kind of person who, you know, prays in your car or goes out for a walk or, you know, all different kinds of ways that you can approach your life of prayer. Um, all, the only thing I'm going to encourage you in is just find your way, find your path, and don't kid yourself. Because <laughs> uh, I find, at least for myself, uh, that if, if I get in a good solid prayer time in the morning, far more likely to have a prayer day uh, than if I let it slip away and say, oh, I'm going to pray sometime this afternoon, evening, whatever. So just be real with yourself, but understand that everybody has a bit of a different technique about it, and however you go about it is okay. Just go about it. Uh, but also, uh, come to Wednesday night prayer. Make that one of your techniques. All right? Ephesians chapter 3. You with me today? All right, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. I'll read another prayer of Paul's. Uh, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Say it with me, amen. Paul's second prayer uh, in the book of Ephesians, and we spent a little bit of time in his first prayer. Uh, The first prayer was more about what we would comprehend. He's praying that we would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. He's praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened and that would be more comprehend. The second uh, prayer is more about apprehending. It's one thing to, to know about something. It's another thing to take hold of what God has given to us. And it's, a, it's an important concept to understand is that what God gives must be apprehended. 
There has to be something in your soul that says, that's a promise and that's mine. I'm grabbing a hold of that. God gives it, faith receives it. So sometimes people think it'll just automatically happen. It doesn't automatically just happen. God promised the promised land to the nation of Israel. They still had to go in and take the promised land. And so the idea of, yeah, I get it, I understand it, it doesn't, it's not just an automatic. Your faith has to reach for it and go for it. One of the things that is valuable to me as I look at this prayer is that he starts out saying, I, I, I bow my knee before my Father who is in heaven from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. Just a reminder to all of us is that we are praying to a father. We're not praying to some kind of distant, aloof, uh, detached deity. Uh, of course, when I say father, some of you might think your own father is distant, aloof, <laughs> and detached. And, uh, and the thing is, God is not like your father if he's that way. God is a good father. Some may say Amen. And he cares for us like a, a good father would care for their children. And so when we're praying, we're not just like, you know, slotting promises into the machine and believing for answers. We are looking to a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to bless us, who wants us to grow up and wants us, wants us to live blessed lives. I want my kids to live blessed lives. I want them to be mature. I want them to be responsible, but I want every good thing to happen to them. That is how God looks at you and me. And I th I'm not going to spend a lot of time on talking about it, but I do think it's an important idea that the Bible says, uh, I bow my knee to my father from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. Family flows out of fatherhood. And I want to encourage anyone that has a fathering role. You have kids, you have grandkids, even if you're a, an uncle, uh, you have spiritual kids that look to you uh, for some kind of encouragement or direction. Um, I grew up with our family flowing out of motherhood. My mom was the one who primarily you know, held things together and made us feel loved. And my dad was a little bit distant and aloof. Um, and I just want to encourage fathers to know how important their role really is in the life of their kids. And I, I do think a lot of the ills of our society and our culture flow out of a lack of fatherhood. But this prayer that Paul is uh, praying for the Ephesian church and for us is telling us that our Father wants us to live strong, confident lives. God wants us to live from a strong posture from the inside out. So I'm going to give you a few ideas, uh, concepts that are in this prayer that I, any one of them could be enormously helpful for us as we get a hold of this. Number one, this is actually the title of my message, live from the inside out. Ephesians 3, verse 16, be strengthened with power 
through his spirit in your inner man. All of us have to learn the secret of living from the inside out rather than from the outside in. What's going on inside of you is way more important than what's happening outside of you. And the, one of the great lessons of life is to learn that your circumstances don't need to dictate whether you have joy or whether you have peace or your sense of well-being. That's something that comes from the inside. It's not coming from the outside. It's coming from the inside. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite verses, uh, Proverbs 15, verse 15, in the New Living Translation, it says, for the despondent every day brings trouble. Do you know somebody like this? That they, every day, something is going wrong. Something is not happening right. Something is bothering them. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The same person could be living in the same city, could be attending the same church, could even have the same set of friends. One person is always focused on everything that is causing them to be troubled. And for, they are despondent from the inside. They are depressed on the inside. But for the happy heart, they are finding the positives in life. They are finding the things to be grateful for. They are finding a way to believe God as they move through life. And it really is the idea behind this verse of Scripture that speaks so much to me because I, I could have a tendency to, to go despondent sometimes, but here's what I know. I got to choose joy. I got to choose faith. I got to choose peace. I got to choose a strong sense of well-being. I got to choose to believe that God is with me, and it turns life into a continual feast rather than trouble day after day after day. Amen. I like this verse in the message. A miserable heart means a miserable life. <laughs> a cheerful heart fills the day with song. Talking about living from the inside out. It's not the outward circumstances that matter nearly as much as the condition of my heart. We don't really need our circumstances to change. We need something in our heart to change. And I've taught this forever, but you got to remember, life doesn't just happen to you. Life happens through you. And when something changes on the inside of you, when you change, things change. Thank you for that resounding amen from four of you. I know sometimes when we hear that, I know sometimes people get aggravated with me for teaching this idea. But I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand something. Because it is, it is not like, oh, you stupid. Why don't you get it together? You have the potential 
to literally change your life if you would choose to live from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Second Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, anybody know what that feels like? Yet our inner man is being renewed, fresh, day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal. They are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Come on. Our inner man can be renewing day by day. Your, your, your body might be getting older, but your inner man can still be fresh. Your inner man can still be alive, right? Old is an attitude. I know some people who have gotten old very early on in life. They've gotten cranky. Nobody in this room, but, oh, I had to preach this in first service. Um, they've gotten stuck. They're not free. They don't have a free spirit. Old is a heart condition. And the Bible is telling us here, hey, listen, the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are unseen, which your inner man connects with, that's what's eternal. So we look not at the things that are seen. So all of us have probably been watching the news, and if you have any peace of compassion in your soul, your heart is breaking for what's happening in Ukraine. You see it, and your heart could go despondent. But can I tell you, it's temporary. It's going to pass, just like every other war has come to pass. Every other situation like that has come to pass. But there are things that are unseen, and that are eternal. That's why a life of prayer is so important because it connects us to that unseen, eternal realm. First Peter 3 is talking to the ladies, uh, but I think guys could learn something in the principle. Your adornment, verse 3, must not be merely. So the Bible isn't saying don't care about external but your, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding your hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. The Bible says beauty isn't on the outside. Beauty comes from the inside out. I remember when I was in high school and working at the grocery store and assistant manager at our store had a wife that was drop-dead gorgeous. And one day he was complaining about her and I said, I said, man, I don't know what, your wife is like a stunner. What is your problem? He goes, believe me, 
you live with her for a day and you'd figure out fast. Beauty is from the inside out. Second concept that is in this prayer is live powerfully. Live powerfully. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. Somebody say power. The Greek word is dunamis, dynamic power through his spirit in the inner man. I love this idea. We're drawing on the riches, the resource of the riches of his glory, which is considerable. So God's glory, God's substance, God's wisdom, God's creativity, the innovation that God can bring to our life, the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, the strength of God, the abundance, it's all in the riches of his glory. You and I can never tap out all that God is and all that God can do in our life. So we're drawing on that. You, no matter if you've known the Lord for one year or if you've known the Lord for 50 years, you haven't tapped it all out yet. Out of the riches of his glory, he says, be strengthened with power. In other words, from the inside out, live strong. Take a strong posture of godly confidence on the inside. Because if you let yourself get back on your heels, the enemy will love to bully you, to intimidate you, to push you around. And there's got to be something inside of us that says, my God is strong and he's giving me his strength and my inner man. I'm going to live empowered by the Holy Spirit on the inside. I saw a clip the other day of Jordan Peterson. You may or may not know who he is, but I like a lot of his thinking. And he was being asked a question, what is wrong with weak men? What's your problem with weak men? And his answer was great because he says, I'm not just having a problem with weak men. I have a, the issue is with weak people. Not just, he says, not just physically weak, but morally weak. Weak on the inside that there's, they can't support themselves because they're so weak that they have to have someone else do it for them. And he says, that multiplied in a culture, in a society, is not going to make for a healthy society. And then he said something that I thought that was even more profound. He says, if, if you're weak on the inside, if you're morally weak, he says, it's, you can't choose a virtuous, noble path through life because you are going to get hurt by life. Don't ever think that somebody else 
is not encountering something hard in life because life is hard for everyone. And this is the point he's making when he's making this point. He says, because life is hard and my heart and your heart might be different, but he's saying, because life is hard and if you're back on your heels and you're feeling weak and you're getting bullied and intimidated, you're not gonna be ready for what life throws at you. You gotta stand up on the inside and say, I can do this. God can help me. I can make it through. You gotta lean strong into life. And I love this idea that the, the Bible says to be strengthened, which is different than be strong on your own. It, lit, it, it gives me the idea that I can receive strength. My adequacy is from God, right? The Bible even tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The third concept that Paul gives us and teaches us in this prayer is to live full. Live full. So verse 19 says that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. How full is that? Hello. My first pastor taught all of us. There's several of us that got saved together. A bunch of potheads all got saved together. And he drilled into us, ministry is overflow. It's, it's the... It's the overflow of your relationship with God. You're filled with peace, you minister peace. You're filled with joy, you minister joy. You're filled with faith, you minister faith. It's a, the, we gotta live full, full to the point of over, filled up with all the fullness of God. You can't live well on fumes. You can't live well on vapors. And there's a lot of talk about mental health and a lot of times the, the, the idea is given you should just retreat and kind of nurse yourself. And I want to say, maybe you need to take a day off, a week off or something like that. But I, I just want to say, you, what you really need to do is get filled up with the fullness of God in your life and let, amen, because it's, it's mental health, it's emotional health, it's spiritual health. Come on, we, 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 your family, your friends, your church, your city, your nation, we need you to be healthy. It's a couple verses here. They all are actually from a context about finances, but I think they cover more than finances, but the concept is here. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all you produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Somebody say plenty. And your vats will overflow. Somebody say overflow with new wine. So that's God's will for our life. Barns filled with plenty, vats overflow. Balakai 3, 10. 
says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The idea is we're not called to just live barely scraping by in life, right? Filled to the fullness of God. Plenty is the words the Bible uses. Overflow, overflowing blessing, all sufficiency, abundance. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this, there's precious treasure in, you guys are coming out really soon because I'm not even close to done, but that's okay. There's precious treasure and oil in the home of the wise, but a foolish person swallows it up. This is such a word of wisdom, whether, it, whether it's your finances, whether it's, it's your emotions, whether it's your mental, spiritual health, you don't have to live off the bottom of the barrel, right? It's wisdom to fill the barrel up. Even Jesus taught us there were 10 virgins with lamps Five of the virgins had extra oil. Five of the virgins, when the day that the bridegroom was going to arrive, in other words, when the day of opportunity came, they, did, they had only fumes. They had only vapor to live off of. The fourth concept is this. Live loved. Live loved. Ephesians 3, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted, grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Wow. This is something to think about. Meditate on rooted in the fact that God loves you, grounded in love, that you would just consider the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love for you that is beyond knowledge. You are loved by God, the one, the one who knows you best loves you most. Come on, a lot of us are like, if you only knew what's behind the scenes here, you might not even like me. But I wanna say, it's not only just the one who knows you best loves you most, the one who knows the most loves you best. And he's, he's not gonna start loving you when you get it together. 
He's not going to start loving you when this happens or that happens or when this changes or that changes. No matter what, God has chosen to love you. It's unconditional. There's no conditions to it. It's unearned. It's undeserved. You're not going to be able to get God to love you more. Yeah, I'm, I'm urging us all, come on, let's dive into a stronger prayer life. But God's not going to love you more because you pray more or read your Bible more. That just helps you to get it, right? And there's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you more. And there's nothing you could do that's going to make him love you less. We, li we live from loved. I I'm not trying to be loved. I'm not trying to earn love. The God who created everything, who owns everything, who runs everything, who could change anything in a moment, your heavenly Father loves you. He loves me, rooted, grounded in the love of God. The other day I found out kind of by accident that somebody that used to really act like they loved me and our church unfriended me on Facebook. <laughs> Now, I'm going to be honest. I want, I want you guys to love me. But if you don't, I, I know who does. So go ahead and unfriend me. That's all right. Fifth idea I want to talk about just for a minute more is this. You got to live beyond yourself. And what I mean by that is you got to look past your little bitty pea brain that we all have. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ, experiential know, by the way, not just know about, experientially know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Knowledge is not a bad thing. The Bible tells us, get knowledge, get understanding, gain wisdom. But I just want to say, there are certain things that surpass your knowledge. There are things that you know in your knower. The love of Christ. I know, I don't, it's beyond my head to understand why God would, but he does love me. The Bible says, talks the same way about the peace of God passes understanding. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry. In everything, prayer, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He's your Father. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible's telling us here, look, you got something going on? Pray about it. 
deal with it in your prayer closet and peace is going to guard your mind. Peace is going to guard your heart. It's not that you figured it out. It's not that you fixed it. It's the peace that passes understanding. You can get to a place of peace without feeling like you fixed it all. You can live out of your spirit, not just out of your head. It's beyond your head. Well, one more passage of scripture, and then I want to pray. Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him. He's going to make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't think you're smarter than God. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's going to be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Come on, there is, there is love that is beyond you. There is peace that is beyond you. There is a capability for living life that is beyond you. Come on, guys. Let's live from the inside out. Who's with me? Let's live powerfully. Let's live full. Let's live loved. Let's live beyond ourselves. Hey, could I pray with you? Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes just for a minute, just to pray together. Father, I'm praying every one of us in this room would have a, a refreshing in our inner man, in our inner self. Father, that we would really grasp how much you love us and how much power you want to release into our world. Thank you, Lord. We do not have to live life in our own capabilities, but we can trust you. I'm praying for every person that feels back on their heels right now. I'm praying for every, for every person that feels stuck, every person that possibly feels no hope for the future, that you will do something on the inside of us by your spirit. God, that will help us in moving forward in your great, beautiful, loving, powerful plan for our lives. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I just got to take a minute today, almost done with this meeting. Maybe you're here today, you've never surrendered to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Come on, let's start that relationship. Let's start that journey. Maybe you're here and you could look back to a day where you used to be close, closer to the Lord than you are now. And you know, it's just time for you to come home. Maybe you just don't feel confident about where you stand with God. And you just say, Pastor, would you, just, would you pray with me? I, I want Jesus. I want to come back. I want to know for sure I'm right with God. If that's you, would you lift your hand real high all over this room and say, that's, that, that's me. I need Jesus. I, I want my life in his hands. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Just God bless you. There's wants to say yes. Thank you. God bless you. Come on, hands all over the room. Just a moment of honesty, not saying get your act together. I'm just saying, would you surrender? Would you ask Jesus to come into your world and be Lord? Thank you. 
You can put your hands down now. Hey, let's all pray this prayer. This is for those who lifted their hands, but I would, I would just would love for us all to pray this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love and your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Hey guys, let's all stand together. We're gonna be dismissed in just a minute. Love to see you guys on Wednesday night. Let's pray together. On the count of three, let's shout hallelujah. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.